Shall we dig up another body? Or shall we dig up another coffin? Or shall we dig up another podcast? (laughs) Welcome back to the Warts and All podcast. I'm Susie Edge, medical doctor, historian and author, and I just love digging up stories of how we've treated the human body in life and in death, but let's face it, mostly in death. Earlier this year, some of you might know, I got sick and the podcast fell by the wayside because something had to give and podcasts are hard work. Uh, Somebody said the other day that podcasts, it's great, you give birth to this baby and it's really exciting in the beginning, but you really have to keep feeding it and you have to keep changing its nappy and you have to keep turning up. And I love doing it. I really enjoy doing the podcast. And that's why we've come back because I missed you guys. A lot of things kept going wrong last year, this year. I keep thinking of it as last year. I don't know um, about you guys, but I always think of my years in academic years. So from September round to September, I've always done that. I guess it was because I was so long a student. (laughs) Years and years and years at university makes me think that way. But yeah, it does feel like September is the start of a new year to me. And um, so we're back for the start of a new academic year. Uh, what's gone on in the last few months? Well, yeah, I had pneumonia and then storms knocked out the power and the communications for days on end, um, which knocked us off, off track. I was trying to write the book Mortal Monarchs. Uh, there was a big fire in the village one day, which knocked out our electricity and water again. And then my neighbour, who's rebuilding the house next door, uh, managed to dig up our electricity again. We're so reliant on it, aren't we? But it it meant that I just couldn't do the things that I was trying to do. And once you get out of the habit of something, <laughs> it's hard to get back in. During the summer, I was going to go on a big grand tour to go and see the graves of all the monarchs uh, that I talked about in Mortal Monarchs. And that was cancelled. I'm going to say postponed because I haven't given up on it, but something personal got in the way of that. So that was that. Everything just kept going wrong. Until the end of September, when we managed to publish Mortal Monarchs, after, well, it's been a couple of years since I first went to TikTok and said, shall we write a book? And uh, the, the resounding answer was yes. And so I went for it. But it takes that long to find an agent and an editor and for them to do their magic and actually write the book in the first place. And then it goes through rounds of edits and then it goes to a copy editor who looks at the fine details and then it goes to a proofreader who looks at the finer details and then you know it just it just takes so long but we got there in the end at the end of September of course something happened in between Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II died on September the 8th and there followed a remarkable display of national and personal mourning I of course sat on my hands for a few weeks but Inevitably, there were people who believed I could research, write, copy, edit, proofread, print and deliver Mortal Monarchs in the three weeks between the Queen passing and the publication day. Now, as a doctor, I'm very aware that people say strange things and act in odd ways when they are upset, when they're mourning. And so I let those pass me by. Only in some instances, I took it as a compliment. The whole idea that I could create such a book in such a short amount of time is a compliment. The Queen's death and the funeral procession struck me in a way I wasn't expecting. Having spent years writing about these very events of those who came before her, the death, the burial rituals, what they did with the bodies, how they dug them up, although that bit hasn't come up yet, 
it felt very odd, surreal almost, to be living it, watching it. I realised then, of course, that there's something abstract in the history stories we tell, or something intangible, not real. Perhaps that's how we're able to separate from the goriness to allow the gallows humour to step in, to have fun and see the silliness of the human body and of disease and of death. But there's a line, isn't there? I wonder where the date is before which one can talk about these things with the gallows humour and after which one needs to be, I don't want to say more respectful because I'm respectful either way, but yeah, there's a line somewhere, isn't there? And I don't know where that is. Of course, we are able to talk about Her Majesty's manner of death because in Scotland, where she died, the death certificate is a public record. It is out there for everyone to see. Old age was written as the cause of death. And that was questioned a lot. A lot of eyebrows raised. Don't you mean natural causes? I don't like the phrase natural causes. It doesn't really mean anything, does it? I mean, you know, arsenic is natural. I've written old age on a death certificate a few times. It's acceptable. When I first graduated as a doctor, it wasn't, as I recall. And then we were told one day that we could write old age. And you have to rule out everything else. But a lot of people were raising an eyebrow and saying, well, look, the Queen's death. Nobody's going to write anything else, are they, on a death certificate? Nobody's going to write that she had all these other things that people were spreading rumours about, like bone cancers and stuff like that. Well, this is a legal document. If I was the doctor writing that death certificate, I would have written it on there. I wouldn't have been pressured to write anything that the palace wanted me to write. But, you know, there could be some naivety in that. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to comment. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> anyway. At least the transition to the new monarch went smoothly. Nobody lost their heads on Tower Green, and war has not yet broken out between rival houses looking to take control. At least I didn't run over the King, or the Prince of Wales as he was, when I went hurtling towards him in my car and slammed on the brakes last year. It would of course been a terrible accident, but it would have been hard to explain my Google search history. A whole year of royal family deaths would certainly have shocked any hardened policeman tasked with seizing my laptop. So, Her Majesty the Queen is dead. Long live the King. Today we're going to have a Mortal Monarch special. It has, after all, been the culmination of many months of work, of making videos, of reading, of research, of discussions, of suggestions, so many things that people have brought to me and that I've gone away and looked up. And I was so happy to see Mortal Monarchs out there in the wild because I don't feel like it's just my project. I feel like it's all of ours. We've done we've done this together and we've done this with the communities of TikTok and Instagram and Twitter and um and of course in the, <laughs> I was going to say the real world, but I hate it when people make that distinction. But of course in the the traditional publishing world as well. We we've we've made it and we've put it out there and you know what? It's done really well in the first couple of weeks to the point where it had to be printed again before publication day because we ran out of copies. We're only two weeks in and Christmas is coming and if we can see it on the shelves then I hope that it will do really well for Christmas as well. So Mortal Monarchs started quite a long time ago when I was working as a junior doctor. I felt like I wanted to do something else, something 
humanities related, something where I could research and write in a manner that was different to scientific paper writing and reading. So I went off to the history department and pleaded my case. And I studied for an MLIT, a Master of Letters in Modern History. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I didn't want it to end. Of course, I could have gone on to a PhD, but money gets in the way, doesn't it? Uh, one could argue the same for trying to be an author, but uh, there you go. Money gets in the way of that. So I did my master's, but at the same time, my kids were really, really into horrible histories and they would watch it for ages. Sometimes they'd even leave the room and I'd be left watching it. I loved that show. And we got into this habit of when we were out and about, if ever we saw a date, the kids would say who was on the throne at the time. They were really good at that to the point where it got a bit boring because they knew. So I would throw in something silly like, and what did they die of? And then it just rolled on from there. I found that there was one book that had been written by a surgeon who was on the beaches in D-Day. So that was quite a while ago. And I felt like there could be an update, not just because we'd had four monarchs had come and gone in that time and one had been found under a car park, but also that there were different ways of looking at the evidence. And also, well, you know, it was written by a surgeon and I wanted to, to make it more fun because, because retrospective diagnoses are fun and we've had a lot of fun doing it. With the caveat, with the understanding that it's not always the truth that we see and hear but it's what people want us to see and hear. Everyone has an agenda and all of the evidence, all of the things written are written from a point of view that maybe isn't the same as ours. So Mortal Monarchs found its way into the world because I had my wonderful agent, Emily, got in touch and she said, let's do it. And we managed to get it out there and I am thrilled. So I'm just waffling now. So Mortal Monarchs made its way into the world at the end of September and it's doing really well. I decided to have a bit of a follow-up and Ask Me Anything podcast. Well, I'll start with mail because there's not one that I can single out, but I have had for days on end, hundreds, I would say thousands now, of DMs, of Instagram reels and stories and messages on Twitter, just, just videos on TikTok, hundreds of videos on TikTok of people receiving and unboxing their copies of Mortal Monarchs all over the world. I have been trying to keep up. It's a full-time job. I've been just spending hours going through them, enjoying every single one and seeing where the book is just blown me away. I've just replied to somebody in Australia saying that they've got the book now and um, I'm absolutely chuffed to bits that it's been able to get out there. Is it on Amazon.com or available as a hardcover in the US in Barnes & Noble and independent bookshops? No, no, it's not. I'm waiting. I'm told that it's coming. I don't know how long it's going to take. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating <laughs> because I really I'm getting loads of messages asking, where is it? Where is it? But it's out of my hands. We just have to wait. I will let you know when the hardcover is available in the US and hopefully we can make a splash with it there as well. I did have one message asking if there was an error in the book on a date. And do you know what there was? How annoying is that? It wasn't just a date that was a couple of years out that had no bearing really on the story. It was a date that did have bearing on the whole story and the whole issue of what happened next. And it was really weirdly wrong. And I don't know why. I don't know how that got through so many of us because we just checked and checked and checked. And um, 
it got through. So these things happen. Um, maybe we'll have to try and sort that out for, for later editions. What I'm going to do now is play the introduction to Mortal Monarchs that we have from the audio recording because the audio recording is flying out there as well. Lots of people downloading it, again, to the surprise of the publishers. Why are they so surprised in how this is <laughs> how this is doing well? I don't know. Maybe nobody's more surprised than I am. But this is the audio introduction to Mortal Monarchs, A Thousand Years of Royal Deaths. How the kings and queens of England and Scotland have died has been a mix of the bizarre, accidental, painfully common and downright mysterious. There has been violence, infections, overindulgence and even the occasional regicide. There were plots, accusations, rivalries and there was the ever-present menace of poison. Trauma was a constant threat, not just on the battlefield but also at leisure. Hunting and jousting were as dangerous as battle. More than one of the monarchs was injured or killed whilst at leisure. If our monarchs avoided a traumatic end, then an infection was just as likely to strike them down. Dysentery, tuberculosis and smallpox played their part. There was rarely a death without a suspicion of murder. The whisper of poison was never far from the lips of those in power. Many monarchs who usurped their predecessor increased the risk of a similar lethal end for themselves. In short, if your hands were covered in blood when you took the crown, don't be surprised if a violent murder is coming your way too. By the 20th century, the kings and queens had put aside axes through the head, pokers up the rear end and gushing dysentery for more of the chronic lifestyle-related diseases of the lungs and heart that claim most of our lives today. When it came to the monarchs, though, the last century was not without its own controversy. Some members of the royal family are largely forgotten, while others are seen as icons in academia and in popular culture. So much was recorded of their demise and of the accompanying ceremony that studying their deaths also becomes a history of how we've treated, cared for and disposed of bodies throughout time. Of course, for everyone else, it's most likely a mass grave during a plague or suffering as a whole village was ravaged by pestilence, famine or war. The bodies of the kings and queens were no different to others and so were subject to the same decay and indignity of death. However, in the case of the monarchs, we can be assured that the stories told and the histories that we have were embellished to suit the needs of those writing them. The agendas of the writers, the religious chroniclers, always learned men, set the tone and dictated our understanding. It was they who could bestow saintly wholesomeness on someone they felt should be admired, or devilish putrefaction on someone they wanted to paint in a bad light. At the stroke of an inky quill, they could do just that, and their stories are still told today. Remains of the kings and queens, whilst often given lavish, over-the-top send-offs by those left behind, were not always allowed to simply rest in peace. The sacking of graves looking for lead and riches, the pulling down of abbeys and simple curiosity has led to tombs being opened, prodded, poked and stolen from. For Richard III, the discovery of his remains make for a wonderful tale of persistence, problem-solving and luck. It is time to pull on the rubber gloves and take a deep dive into the blood and guts of a thousand years of royal deaths.
So that was the introduction to Mortal Monarchs, which is available in audio as well as ebook and hardcover. And um, yeah, I'll let you know when the hardcover's coming to the US and Canada. If you really want it in the meantime and can't wait, the Book Depository do have worldwide free shipping on that. So you can do that as well. So I asked on social media, ask me anything about the book or Mortal Monarchs or the project or whatever. And I had some I had some replies. So thank you for those. Katie on Twitter asked me, what was my favourite to write and why? I get asked a lot about favourites and I used to say, oh, I don't have one. It's really difficult, especially especially when I was going through medical school, because in medical school, in the clinical years, you go from department to department and everyone I went to, I thought, oh, this is exciting and new and I love this and this is what I'm going to concentrate on. This is what I'm going to specialise in. And writing Mortal Monarchs was similar in that everyone was fun and new and different and it was exciting and this is the one I'm going to be really into. And uh, and so that's how I tend to live my life. <laughs> you may have noticed. But which one, I think really my favourite one of all is the story of Richard III because really we couldn't have told that story only a few years ago and yet now we know more about his death, the manner of his death, than any of the others because we were able to take his, not we, I say we as if I was involved, but the researchers were able to take his remains and see exactly how he died his traumatic death. And that really just blew me away, the whole story. There's a film coming out based on it. Of course, it's going to be an entertaining film. So there's going to be goodies and baddies and there's going to be um, high points and low points and uh of course, it's going to be a dramatic story told in the same way that all of these stories has been told for hundreds of years, for a thousand years, in fact. Uh, it's a point I try to make in the book that people tell stories with agendas, even if they just want to tell a bloody good story. So you're going to have villains of the piece. And I know that's caused some controversy with this film, but that's the nature of telling stories. So, yeah, that's coming out. That was, I think... My favourite one, because that's we were able to, to know so much about what happened to Richard III, having really been in the dark for so, so long. Were there any pieces I wanted to include but couldn't? Absolutely, yes, there were. Because of the nature of the book, we had to choose... We had to go through it in an editorial way. We had to choose who was going in and who was going out. We had to choose that these were the monarchs of England and then later Scotland as well. I managed to get in some stories of the earlier Scottish monarchs that I wanted to. I gave Mary, Queen of Scots, her own chapter, actually, because it's such a well-known and well-loved, well-loved is maybe the wrong word, but well-told. It's a story that everybody's interested in, and so I wanted her story in there. There were others that I managed to get in with tentative links to the ones I had. But there were other stories which I did have to leave out, and those were the kings and queens of other nations. The kings of France who, well, the Louis, <laughs> the death of uh, Louis Fourteenth and his gangrenous leg, and, and the death of Louis Sixteenth having his head chopped off, and Marie Antoinette, and, and so many others. The kings of Sweden have got some brilliant stories. And the kings of Spain, Charles II of Spain, of course, and his disabilities due to the family's inbreeding, keeping everything in the Habsburg family led to a real tragedy of a, of a life and death for Charles II. So yeah, there were. And I have been asked then, should I make this book 
should I extend this book? Should we make a part two, Deaths of European Royals? But actually, because of the nature of the book and because of the themes that run through the book, ultimately, there are only so many ways that you can die. And I think if I take these stories and I start telling them in the same manner of, as Mortal Monarchs, we'll end up with essentially the same book. Because you don't want to read a seventh, eighth, ninth time about how a stroke might kill you. And so I think that I'm going to draw a line under the monarch deaths now and say that this book was about as much about how we die as the individual monarchs. And it was just done through the lens of those monarchs because of England and Scotland, because they are such wonderful stories. Which leads nicely onto the question from Amanda on Instagram. She asked, uh, what's next? And then added, can we do some stories about medieval torture techniques? Well, you know what? Medieval torture techniques are really interesting idea because a lot of them were not as medieval as we think they were. A lot of them were made up by, guess who, the Victorians to make everyone else before them look bad. Because the Victorians and the Georgians as well had a way of doing that. They liked to make up stories of their ancestors to, to show just how terrible they were to make them look so morally wonderful and yet they were obviously we knew that morally um the, a lot of the victorians and certainly the georgians lived in a, a vacuum so yeah medieval torture techniques i think that if you were if one were to write about those significantly write about those make a book about those one would have to do it with the running theme through it the understanding that those were not necessarily medieval but yeah there's uh, there's some great stories there certainly about how we've treated the human body how we think about the human body which parts of the human body are more ripe for torturing uh, etc oh actually i'm starting to like this idea now <laughs> but it will have to wait because there is a there is a what's next we are doing a what's next but i'm going to keep it under wraps for now other than to say that under those wraps there are body parts and there are stories beyond these shores as well. And I say these shores as in Britain. So yeah, body parts coming up. And I'll let you know what's going on with that as and when I can. There was a really specific question that I had about Henry I and his dripping remains that didn't quite make it across the sea from France to England before they started putrefying and dripping all over the floor. That's where all the King Soup stories came from. And the question was, didn't they put him in a coffin? But we have to remember with these stories again that they were told with a certain agenda in mind. The idea that his body was putrefying and dripping out onto the floor wasn't necessarily true, but it came from a need to point out that Henry was horrid and a ter terrible person and his decisions were all bad and therefore in death he was not saintly and he was not going to be preserved in the way that saints would be preserved. And so there had to be stories of him falling apart and decaying and you can't put him in a coffin and then have the dripping dripping onto the floor. The story goes that he was wrapped in ox hides and then taken in that way. Whether they had a coffin, a box to put him in, it hasn't been mentioned in anything that I've read. I had another question asking me to elaborate on the sweating sickness, the disease that swept through England mainly after 1485, after Henry VII won at the Battle of Bosworth. 
It was a disease that swept through the wealthy and the fit and young, and it got in the way of Henry VII's coronation because everyone around him was dropping like flies. Now, I've decided to do a podcast all of its own on the sweating sickness, so that's one that's going to be coming up very soon. And what other episodes are we going to add into that? Well, one about the dancing plague. I think that deserves one. I get questioned about that, about the dancing plague all the time, and I haven't really made any content about it. So let's look at the dancing plague, the sweating sickness. Uh, I've already written a podcast about the year without a summer, 1816. It's absolutely fascinating how the eruption of Mount Tambora in 1815 affected the whole world and everybody in it. Uh, That's a fascinating story. What else? I really want to look at the old operating theatre. You guys know that I went to the old operating theatre in London last month and I really loved being there. I managed to get the theatre all to myself for quite a long time and I want to do an op. Uh, I want to do an operation, <laughs> Freudian. I want to do a, a podcast about that. So we're going to talk about the theatre, how it was managed, what people would be operated on, who was doing the operating, the sort of operations that were done, the amputations, the breast surgeries. Oh, just just saying it is a thought. Um, and talk about surgeons like Robert Liston and uh, Charles Bell and what they achieved. So that's going to be an episode, the old operating theatre. We're going to do that as well. Also, I'm going to have a deep fiddle about in the Body Worlds exhibition and the other Body Worlds type exhibitions as well, because it's not just Gunther von Hagen's. There's other there's other groups out there as well doing those sorts of things. So that's what's coming up on the podcast. What about everywhere else? Well, I'm going to be on BBC Radio Shropshire on Monday talking about, guess what, Mortal Monarchs once again. I uh, I went to school in Shropshire and so I'm having a chat with them about life life in Shropshire when I was a kid and also moving onwards and and what I've been doing since and and how it all led to Mortal Monarchs. So there's that as well. I was a guest on Talk Radio Europe a couple of weeks ago. I wonder if I can get some audio of that. Hold on a second. Let me see. Let's see what I can do. Looking forward to this one for certain uh, for a certain amount of time. It is called Mortal Monarchs: A Thousand Years of Royal Deaths. It is how the monarchs of England and Scotland met their deaths. It has been a wonderful mixture of violence, infections, overindulgence, and occasional regicide. In Mortal Monarchs, medical historian Dr. Susie Edge examines a thousand years of royal passings to uncover the plots, accusations, rivalries, and the ever-present threat of poison. The king. Kings and queens of old. I had to to face. Delighted to be joining me live on the line from somewhere in the UK. Uh, The author of Mortal Monarchs, uh, Susie Edge. Susie, good morning to you. Good morning to you. It's wonderful to chat to someone who's thrilled about all these things as I am. Well, you know, I I do, you know, it's, it's, I I have a particular fondness for the sort of the Middle Ages stretching from, say, you know, Norman, the Norman conquest uh, of of, uh, Britain through to sort of the, you know, 1500s and and this was a time when it was extremely uh, it was extremely perilous to be anywhere near uh the uh the monarch or to be you know going for kingship shall we say or queenship 
absolutely. And the thing was, if you were a king that was going to get to the throne by killing someone else, the chances were that that was coming your way too. It was a pretty violent time. So what what sparks your, your interest in this particular tome? Is it is it sort of like I mean, and, and excuse me for being sort of sort of uh, flippant. Is it sort of because if you look back at the the the, the ways that, that monarchs sort of met their ends, often grisly, it makes Game of Thrones look like a, like, a, like a version of Play Away, isn't it? You're right, and that's why I mean, that's why it's so interesting to me. It started really young, I have to say. I heard the story of Edward II. Lots of apologies all around. The audio wasn't great on that. I'm going to try and get it uh, get it filtered and get at um, whatever you do to audio. Um, we'll make it a bit better. But yeah, that was going on Talk Radio Europe to talk about Mortal Monarchs. It's quite, it's quite scary to do that at first. But once you get into the flow, once you get into talking about the things that you really love, it gets, uh, it gets a little better. So Monday morning, I'll be with Radio Shropshire, BBC Radio Shropshire doing just that. So uh, that's what's coming up. Over on TikTok, I had a message that said, can we do less book and more history content? And I really did feel like sticking two fingers up at that because at the end of the day, the book has been the culmination of what I've been working on for a very long time. It's something that I've wanted to do and get out there for a very long time. It's something that actually, although, you know, we're not making millions, it's something that helps pay for, well, listen, tomorrow I'm off to the shops to buy my children some clothes. That's what this is for. That's what this is about. And I'm damn well going to talk about it and I'm damn well going to share it and I'm damn well going to let other people join in with that if they want to and be part of something which has been fantastic. Yes, I will get back to history content. Of course I will. This is um, this podcast really is about talking about Mortal Monarchs, not one last time, but talking about it and talking about the last few weeks and what we've done, what we've achieved. And I'll get back to the history content now. But I, I felt a little bit like some people that say that really have no idea how much time and effort research uh, goes into making those short, short history videos. It actually takes quite a lot of work. I don't just whip out my phone and start talking as much as I'd love to be able to. Uh, I do have to put in a little bit of work for those. So they will come back. They're already there. I don't know what I'm talking about saying they will come back. They're already there amongst all the, the talk about the book. The book has been a big part of everything for the last few months and I'm not going to hide it because somebody else just wants me to talk about Mary Queen of Scots all the time. So there you go. That's how I feel about that. I'm not going to get grumpy about messages like that, but they do kind of grate a little bit for a few seconds and then I move on. So let's move on. So this has been a slightly strange podcast because I've just been flitting about talking about Mortal Monarchs, but I wanted to put it out there, put the introduction, say where you can get the book, say thank you for all the help, and uh, hopefully I've done that. If there's any questions anyone wants to get to me, I'm going to have a, a mail section every week where I can answer questions and talk about what's come through. I'm going to have a mistake section where we're going to have a look at mm, those dates that we might have got wrong, because it happens, and I'm happy to... Um, I'm happy to uh, be called out on it. Of course, it depends depends on how you do that. If you're rude about it, you can get stuffed. But uh, if if you want to have have a decent conversation about mistakes that are made, then that's cool. We'll do that because that's how we um, that's how we make it better. That's how we grow. So anyway, this has been Susie Hedge, and this has been the Mortal Monarch Special Edition of the Warts and All Podcast. And I am so happy to be back. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again soon. 
Thank you for listening to the Warts and All podcast. My name's Susie Edge, medical doctor, historian, author, and I just love digging about in stories of human body history. You can find me on TikTok at Susie Edge, on Twitter at Susie Edge, and on Instagram at Suze.edge. There is a Facebook page as well, Susie Edge Human Body Histories. I think that's Susie Edge HBH, if, if you're looking for the specific name. Where else? Well, you can buy the book Mortal Monarchs. You can buy a hardcover of the book in the UK in all the independent bookshops. Bookshop.org is brilliant for helping out your indies. Or you can go to Amazon, amazon.co.uk. You can go to Waterstones. Might not be on the shelves in Waterstones just now because of their issues, but it's certainly online with them. And if you're outside of the UK, it is on audio and ebook on amazon.com and i'm told it's coming in hardcover to the rest of the world but who knows when i'll let you know bye guys <laughs>